If you are near a radio right now, go to 104.9 KISS FM and take a listen to what they're playing. Because for 12 hours, it's been nothing but Rage Against the Machine killing in the name of. And it's all because a whole bunch of DJs got fired and there's one guy left and this is his way of retaliating. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, and here it goes again. Arguably one of the biggest radio stunts of the last decade happened earlier this summer with the launch of Rogers Sports and Media's sonic radio format in Metro Vancouver. A stunt that saw Rage Against the Machine's polarizing track Killing in the Name enabling the transition from the former KISS format. In the 30-hour space between, the ensuing theories about why went viral. So there's this radio station in Canada playing Killing in the Name on repeat. On the morning of June 29th, if you tuned into KISS FM 104.9 in Vancouver, British Columbia, you would only hear Rage Against the Machines Killing in the Name. This came after the day before two of the station's most popular morning DJs announced they were fired after five years on the air. So the station ignored all requests and just played Killing in the Name in protest of it, which is just absolutely great. And the way they like transitioned to the song each time is just absolutely hilarious. I wonder if I can make a request from Nova Scotia. Our rock station they don't play enough Rage Against the Machine in my favorite song. You should come to Vancouver. We don't have that problem here. All the machines rage here. It's actually quite concerning. You're walking down the street, Toyota Corolla's raging. I saw her kick the Keurig down a flight of stairs this morning. <laughs> I'm loving your playlist. It's pretty diverse, right? Loving it. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, alt-rock radio veterans Christian Hall, Sonic Radio's content director and the national content director for Jack FM, and Angela Valiant, the host of the Sonic Vancouver Morning Show, take us behind the scenes of the launch. We also get into the nuances of alt-rock programming, algorithm fatigue, and more. Uh, hi, I'm Angela Valiant, and my journey with radio, I guess, started a little bit later in life. I went back to broadcasting school when I was 26 because I wanted to be an actress, and I worked a lot of day jobs, and I was like, oh, you know, if I have to have a day job, I might as well have like a cool day job where I get to listen to music and talk about music and maybe go see live music and meet bands and all that cool stuff. So at 26, I went back to uh, back to school at SAIT, the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology in Calgary. And I was really fortunate. So my first job was there in Calgary. I got a job as a producer for the Seacrest show on the Virgin Radio station at the time. And then I just kind of worked my way up. So then I was working swing, evenings. I did basically every day part at that station. Uh, and then Christian hired me to work at one of my favorite stations that I was listening to just before I went to radio school. And I was at uh, X929 Calgary. And then eventually, um, after a few years, got an opportunity to go out to Vancouver. And my my husband and I always figured if we were going to move, we would probably go West Coast. So it was kind of a, a perfect opportunity to see what's out here. And, and now here we are. <laughs> And uh, my name is Christian Hall, and I'm the uh, National Content Director for Jack with Rogers Sports and Media and the Content Director uh, directly here in Vancouver for Jack 96.9 and the newly launched uh, Sonic Radio. I've been doing this far too long to get into a full bio, but I started off at a pretty young age, 16, working in radio and sort of plodding around on air shifts. But I always had a massive passion for, for, for programming and crafting radio. 
So I got my first opportunity to do that in my uh, mid-20s out here in Vancouver at Rock 101, and then eventually Fox once uh, Wick and Shaw merged to create Chorus. That gave me my first chance to program in Winnipeg at Power 97, then over to Q107 in Calgary. And then in 06, I was hired to build and launch X929 in Calgary with Harvard Broadcasting. And I did that gig for almost 15 years and uh, had an amazing time doing that. And then uh, this fun gig landed in my lap um, almost uh, a year ago now, uh, actually just over a year ago. And I've been doing it ever since. As a veteran of the alt-rock format, Christian, do you want to start by talking about Sonic as a brand and inheriting the brand versus building the X92.9 format in Calgary from the ground up? Uh, yeah, sure. Great question. I love alternative. I've always had a sweet spot for it. It's the format I grew up listening to. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a kid of the 90s. Um, I still consider myself a kid of the 90s, so I've always had a, had a passionate spot for it. Uh, inheriting the Sonic brand was a, uh, a surprise uh, when, I, when I took this gig. This certainly wasn't in the, uh, uh, in the atmosphere. So to, to be reintroduced to Alternative was, was a great, fun opportunity for me. And inheriting the Sonic brand as opposed to building one, they're really not that different. I've always admired Sonic from afar. You know, when you're a programmer, you kind of look at what other radio stations are doing, tend to stay away from the ones that you think are pretty misaligned with your sort of vision for where you think alternatives should go. Uh, Sonic was never one of those stations. Um, when I was at X929, Sonic was probably one of the top like two stations that I would always keep an eye on to see, oh, what are they doing up there? Alberta's always had a, a really great showing with alternative in the ratings. Sonic has always been a, a top three player and X has always been a top three player. And certainly across the rest of the country, that, that hasn't necessarily been the case. So um, looking at Sonic's success from afar has always been a part of, I guess, my, 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 my daily routine when I was programming X. Where we align, I think, um, and why I think I've always been an admirer of the, of the brand is that we, we tend to put uh, the listener first. And that's not to say that other formats don't do that, but it's really, really imperative that you create this kind of ecosystem with your audience when it comes to alternative because it's an incredibly diverse format musically it constantly is shifting gears you never settle into one flavor because the next new flavor could be around the corner and you kind of got to go with the flow and not necessarily follow the trends but be a trendsetter more than a traditional format that kind of just sits in its own lane and doesn't really you know skew too far away from it so um, Sonic has always done a great job of that in Edmonton. And I you know, could proudly say that X did the same in Calgary. So we were pretty aligned in that sense. So when the brand came along as the perfect fit for the opportunity to do alternative here in Vancouver, there wasn't really even a second thought about it being um, something that would be tough to wrap my head around. So let's talk about the launch. Can you tell us a little bit about the back channel conversations that went on prior to deciding to play Killing in the Name in a loop for 30 hours. How did you settle on the song? Who came up with the idea? And was there any pushback from corporate? That's another really great question. It's a really fun story because, you know, we tried actually to stay away from the traditional stunt of playing a song over and over again or doing something like that. And we had a few other ideas, but they just weren't coming together as, as well as we had hoped. So, 
eventually, I think out of more or less frustration, uh, I was on a call with with Paul uh, Kay and uh, and Adam Bauer and and myself, and just basically said, well, it just feels like the easiest thing to do at this point because time is running out is just to do the song in a row thing. Um, I'd had some experience doing it with X. We'd played End of the World As You Know It on a loop for like 13 hours straight during the Amayan apocalypse. I think we had done it when Trump got elected for like six hours. And so we've had some fun with it and we always seem to get some really good traction and a lot of local buzz with it. So we just landed on it and just went, yeah, as long as we can figure out the song, then it feels like the best thing to do. So. For me, I landed on Killing in the Name for a couple of reasons. The nerdy programming reason is it's a long song, so you don't have to play it 15, 16 times an hour. You can only play it 12 or 13 times an hour, and it helps making up your CanCon a lot easier. So that was like phase one. And phase two was just the visceral reaction that you knew the song would get. Anyone I would tell the song to, I would get like one of three reactions. I would get either just pure fear, like, oh God, that song, or I would get... Um, some genuine just concern, or I would get like just elation, like, yes, that's the best song in the world to do this with. The point is, is that everybody had a reaction. Nobody thought it was just a, mm, okay, not a bad song. No one thought it was a bad idea. Corporately, there wasn't really any pushback at all. It's funny, Angela can attest to this. She was there. Julie was in town the day before the launch. And we had just brought a bunch of people inside the building into the loop about what was going to happen the next day. And one of the things that came up in the media meeting was about how Alternative has progressed over the last 20 years away from this perception that it's this, you know, edgy format that has hosts that push the limits of what's acceptable to talk about on the air and the playlist is a lot more pop leaning and friendly and all that kind of stuff. And I left that meeting going, she's not wrong, but holy shit, are we picking a song that doesn't fit that narrative? <laughs> um, and so we had a conversation about it just to make sure like, hey, are we still all on board? Because we had a backup song, I'm not going to get into that part, but we still landed on the fact that this is the song that's ultimately going to do what the goal of the stunt was. And that was to basically deliver a message to the uh, existing KISS audience that a really big change that wasn't going to be anywhere near the format that they were listening to was coming and to ring a really loud bell in the city and sound the alarm that something different is coming. And if Rage Against the Machine is your jam, then you're probably really going to like what we're up to. Do you want to talk, Angela, about what it was like to be on the front line of all of that? Oh, so badly. <laughs> it was um, it was so much fun. It was really that first day of just listening to the song, which never got old, weirdly enough. It felt like at some point we would turn down the volume, but we just didn't. It was so fun. And at first there wasn't a lot of action. And then it was kind of like once the floodgates opened, we were getting a lot of phone calls and it was a lot of phone calls of people. At first people are like, uh, what, what's going on? Like, are you going to play anything else today? Could you play anything else today? And, and then it was kind of fun just like hanging on to the mystery a little bit. You know, none of us, none of us said our names, none of us gave anything away. None of us said what was happening. We just, we just took requests and I would say like most most of the people we talked with were in on the bit 
right away. I mean, we had so many people calling in and they would just play along being like, uh, you know, I was, I, I don't hear a lot of Rage Against the Machine these days. I'm wondering if you could play any, or they'd call and be like, you know, I just heard about this new band, Rage Against the Machine. I'm not sure if you're familiar. And there's this song. And so like everyone just leaned in and it wound up being kind of fun. There was very, I thought for sure you'd get a lot of angry listeners being like, what have you done? I don't like this. Please do something different. And instead, we wound up with just a, a plethora of people who are like, this is either really hilarious, really poignant. Either way, it's very mysterious and I'm into it is what wound up happening with so many people calling in. It was a lot of fun. This is the first time in recent memory a radio station launch has ended up in Rolling Stone, let alone one in Canada. Did you have any idea you were going to go viral out of market? No. You know what? I look back to when we've done something similar to X once again with that It's the End of the World As You Know It stunt on the Apocalypse Day. And that day, it got pretty big. I think we went like top 25 on worldwide Reddit and definitely were number one locally. And so I used that kind of as a barometer saying, oh, you know what? If we can go number one local, and we can make the uh, front page of the world of the world site for Reddit. That would be that would be considered a win. Everything else beyond that, absolutely not. Nobody thought that it would go as insane as it did, and we certainly didn't predict the narrative that the outgoing Kiss hosts would, you know, this the rumors of them barricading themselves in the control room or pissed off engineers from the changes were taking over the radio station, like. Nobody thought even for a second that what had happened the day before the launch would somehow play into the the narrative of what we were doing with the song and the stunt. You had a really great quote tweet at one point, Christian, where you wrote for the what is radio crowd, which I thought was brilliant. Does radio need more of this? I feel a lot of the content risks that historically made the medium great have disappeared and been a contributor to its downfall amid all the other choices. Uh, well, yeah, 100%. You know, I love this medium. And, and I think the stunt day proved that uh, its relevancy is still incredibly potent and that we need to invest uh, that kind of time and energy in making radio memorable. You know, I can remember growing up in, you know, Q107 Toronto having a talk show in the middle of the day and really cool weekend programming. And just all these different things to get people sort of engaged with the radio station as opposed to just being a rinse, lather, repeat warehouse. And it kind of feels like the direction that a lot of radio stations are going towards. And it's certainly something that I've been pretty vocal about my whole career that I don't want to see radio do. So to be able to come to one of the major players like Rogers and be embraced to sort of help push the medium back to being the noisemaker it can be was really attractive for me when I took the opportunity to join Rogers uh, and to work for like a leadership team that is fully engaged in allowing you to do these kind of things is is terrific. And uh, it just shows that, you know, all we got to do is just try and rattle the cans a little louder. And it's still um, a really great engaging platform that isn't nearly as doomed as many of the naysayers think it is. I, I want to come back to that. But 
Sonic's just one of the rebrands that happened in the market this summer with Patterson's move to expand the JR Country format to the Fraser Valley, their alt rocker The Peak going to HD radio and the Now format debuting. What is your sense of what's happening in the Metro Vancouver market? And I'd like you to chime in on this too, Angela, because you've been in and out of the market as well. That's a a tougher one for me as someone who I sometimes feel like where where Christian is this glorious radio nerd, I feel like this uh, oblivious radio fan. So I feel like I'm someone who is often just along for the ride and just excited for whatever I'm listening to or whatever's happening next. I mean, it's been really interesting to see so much change in the market in the past, yeah, in the past like six months. It has definitely been interesting to watch all these changes. But I think it's similar to what Christian was talking about is there's so many people trying to to remind the community and remind audiences why radio is fun and why it's valuable. And we're seeing a lot of change because I think the world has been changing too. So there's a lot of people like, okay, okay, how do we get people engaged again? How do we connect with people again? And it's interesting to see everyone's attempts to do that. My addition to that, Connie, would be, I think Vancouver just became the most interesting radio market in the country. And it's because I think there's just a lot of really impassioned players out there that want to do better. You know, there's a there's a lot of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call it out. There's a lot of bad stations out there that stay bad because they're okay with the margins. And there's stations out there that want to do better. And sometimes better means taking a big leap and going through a big change. And there's an added cost to that. And there's a major risk to that. But if they see the end of the finish line being something that's better for the business and potentially better for the industry as a whole, then I'm happy to see all the changes that have happened here. We have a new station that launched. We have uh, like brand new. Um, and then we've got two format flips. And that happened all within the span of four weeks. So I don't think any of that is is bad for business. I think it's, it's great for business. And um, I wish everybody the best of luck because if we all succeed, then the industry does better. And then maybe some other markets out there are going to get a little bolder in the coming years and think about, you know, revisiting what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong or what they can be doing better. Let's talk a little bit about marketing radio in 2022. You were one of the first, Christian, when you were at Harvard to actually integrate the streaming play into station branding. Now that we're well past that 50% streaming mark where radio tuning is concerned, how are you working to get ears on the product? Well, I go back to the stunt to show just uh, how much tuning there is on streaming just to back that up is all these videos and social posts that were that were going viral the day of the stunt eight out of ten of them were people pointing at either their browsers streaming online or at their smart speakers so it feels weird to have to talk about that why we should be marketing you know other outside the fm band in 2022 because you know that digital stream i think we've been saying it for years is needs to be treated as important as as the antenna you know the penetration that streaming has these days and the accessibility to to data is is only going to make it more and more prevalent so you know radio isn't uh, a word to be allergic to i think if anything you see radio pulling back a little bit from branding themselves so hard to fm finding a way to be creative in their branding in the sense of hey we're on these frequencies we're on this platform tell your smart speaker this because we'll take the tuning any way we can get it and people want to be able to have that sort of flexibility 
and and not be locked into hearing their favorite service only on on one platform so to not embrace it and to not like make it a centerpiece to your marketing just it feels irresponsible at this point Angela you're engaged in the listener conversation do you have a sense of how and where most of your listeners are when they're tuning I I find that it's it really is a combination especially since launching Sonic I'm noticing it is a lot of commuters. It's still a lot of people who are listening in their cars. At least those are the ones who typically seem to be engaging a little bit more. They're texting a bit more. They're trying to call in, uh, especially because Sonic is in three markets in the area. And I've just been noticing a lot of people like in Chilliwack, they've been like, oh my God, finally, we have like a proper radio station, a proper frequency to listen to while I'm driving into the city. And and so that's been kind of interesting to see because I think in my previous jobs, it has been a lot of streaming. It's a lot of, I would say, definitely 50%, if not higher, where that's what it felt like anyway in terms of where listeners were engaging from as they were listening on the app or they were listening on the website. But this particular one does feel like a little bit of an anomaly so far where I do feel like the people who are engaging are the ones who are listening from their car radio still. Uh, which makes a lot of sense in a place like Metro Vancouver, where it's it's like at least a 45 minute drive anywhere to make it feel like you're getting conversation, even though you're alone in your car. That's kind of that beauty of of radio is is having a friend in the car with you. <laughs> at least that's how I've always viewed radio. And maybe that's how I've always been taught to appreciate radio is you need to be the friend in the car. And at Sonic, it has very much felt that way so far. It's a lot of people listening on FM, which is kind of exciting. With the failure of Spotify's car thing, it's made me wonder if there's a level of algorithm fatigue and some people have gone back to the comfort of that analog experience and the randomness of radio. And I've wondered if there's an opportunity, you know, to bring back more taste making. How limited are you from a programming perspective, Christian? With Sonic, I would say there's no limit. You know, I think what I've really had a good time with Sonic is you kind of got a little comfortable with the way we programmed alternative at at X, that introducing some new flavors after being one kind of alternative station for so many years got a little, I don't know, we always got a little fidgety. But when we launched Sonic, it was like, okay, well, this is a day one radio station. So, so what can we do? So from everything from like introducing some like, old 90s hip hop into the mix that sounds really, really great with alternative to to playing all kinds of, you know, new and interesting sounds. Yeah, like that's what I really love about the format in general is that the audience is is here for discovery because maybe the algorithm just keeps, you know, pumping the same 12 bands at them, right? And, you know, I'm a smart speaker user with 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 Apple Music, you know, Everybody is right. It's just it's not a hundred percent radio. But if I say something like play, um, a big Black Pumas fan, so Black Pumas radio, I've already know now what the fifteen bands I'm going to get all the time. And maybe that does get a little exhausting after a while. But with a format like Alternative, we can go from City and Color to Rage Against the Machines and, and and everything in between. And those are two really big extremes. But everybody here seems to really dig that kind of chaos because that's where they land on a new flavor that they maybe never heard before. And then, you know, they go out and they acquire the song. No different than 30 years ago when you'd go and buy the, buy the album or 15 years ago when you go and buy the CD, 
Now you're just going to your streaming platform and you're just adding it to whatever playlist that you create. That's discovery is still like a major, major part of where radio can succeed. And, you know, which is why I hope that, you know, new music stations don't necessarily die on the vine with the with the medium. Is there a thought that either of you would like to close on? <laughs> I don't know. I feel I, I feel so uh, I feel so light and fluffy on this podcast compared to Christian. I guess that's how I how I feel, though, how I feel about radio is that I think what was most fun about this stunt was that it was uh, it was a reminder that radio while it is, of course, here to to share information and to to be kind of real time updates and you can change things on a dime and you can keep a community up to date. Ultimately, I love the fact that I like my hope is to always be a place where people can be distracted and where people can have fun and be silly again, especially after like a few years of of things being real dry and <laughs> real drab. It, uh, it's been really invigorating kind of being in this market and and being a part of this new station and hopefully providing a landing pad where, yeah, we're going to talk about some serious stuff and push some issues, but I'm mostly just excited to to have some dumb fun. I just want to have fun and I just want to make like, it feels like making new friends. I really do feel like I'm trying to to meet new people who are into the same things, maybe have a similar sense of humor, and then we can just all have like go back to having fun. Yeah, for me, I would just close it off on, I think the Sonic launch and the stunt just sort of reinvigorated my belief in the medium even more than before. And it really hasn't waned much, but it was like a really great sort of supercharge to remind me of just the impact that we can still do on a daily basis. I wouldn't say there's people out there waving like a white flag on the medium within the industry, but there really feels like there's a lot of beige flag waivers out there. And I, I hope they realize that they're they're not helping and that you know, if they surround yourself with really creative people and uh, and put out a, a really great engaging product, uh, there's no reason why we still can't uh, succeed as a business. Thank you both so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Connie. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Connie. This is great. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Alison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.